This is the Unscripted Podcast. All right, Bob, the time is drawing near. You know, that's a that's a, a, a phrase, a saying, a, a, a kind of term we use, and boy, it has sure bled over into religion. You know, we talked last week about Israel and Palestine and, you know, kind of those problems, and, you know, a lot of our denominational friends are kind of looking at this, really, this is the end times, this is the end of it, and this and that and the other, and, you know, the you're you're seeing all these posts and news articles and, you know, the I suppose that Netflix thinks I'm a 95-year-old beer-drinking black lady from my, the algorithm of things that suggest that I ought to see. I'm trying to piece together what it thinks. Well, you and, are. You are. <laughs> I can identify as one canine. That's right. Um, but – but the news feed, you know, it picks up a lot of these religious articles, I reckon, because of, you know, my news stuff or whatever stuff that I just kind of read about, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, I don't even know who these websites are a lot of times, but there's some kind of, you know, religious Christian, you know, post. But you see these ones about the time is coming and, you know, the um, – the the rapture and and you know i'm even getting videos funny videos i got one the other day of a a guy this guy's in the church and he sent me a video of of um the homeschool kids like the homeschool kids basketball league you know aiden plays on a basketball team you know homeschool league and and uh yeah this kid's in there the, he was he was talking about he was just making it's just kind of a satire and he was he was saying that um their preacher was talking about the rapture coming and he's telling his buddy like, man, I told you we shouldn't listen to that. We got to burn our Harry Potter books and, and, and we're going to be left down here with all the, the people that get it raptured. Think about it. We're going to live with Joe Biden down here. And he goes through this, this whole big thing. <laughs> we already are. <laughs> and he's like, we'll be left with them. And, and, uh, you know, so I, I suppose, you know, if those things are hitting satire, then they're pretty much, um, a hot topic, you know, to some degree. And so I, I think it'll merit us talking about, you know, some of these views towards the quote-unquote end times and, you know, those scenarios like that. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it'll be good for our listeners. There's one thing um, I'm not as versed on, you know, a lot of different beliefs that are out there um, in in the denomination world. Uh, I just – I look at, at Scripture that – that Jesus talks about how that um, no one knows except my father. And, and so, and when we read multiple, multiple passages, he's just telling us you better be ready. And so that's the, I'm always, uh, I'm always in the camp of Bob is trying to get his life, um, you know, lined up as close to Jesus as he can. And, and I don't know if any of us, I mean, if we ever reach the point to where you're going, Oh man, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm 100%, you know, ready today to, uh, to meet Jesus. Well, I, I am ready to meet Jesus, but if, if you ever have the confidence, a Christian needs to have the confidence enough to, to, to know the blessed hope that we have, um, but not too arrogant enough to, you know, when the scripture in first Corinthians tells us, you know, when a man thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And, and ultimately, the, the only way that, that you're going to be righteous is through Jesus. And, you know, I was having a study with someone um, yesterday about, uh, well, two different, two different, different topics. One, we were talking about the Lord's Supper and, and people, you know, they feel they don't, they're not worthy enough. And, 
and certainly that's that's the proper attitude is when I'm when I feel that I'm not worthy enough to take the Lord's Supper, when I'm examining my life to realize the only way I can approach God is through Jesus, that's that's the proper mindset to to have. And and then um I also learned um last night that this these couple of guys agreed to study with uh, with me and, and my, my dad and anyways they uh we just had the agreement they're they're elders in a in another church in a denomination and um and anyways they they said uh hey we want to study ephesians four four through six you know there's there's the one, one the body ones, right yeah all the seven ones and so there there's one there's one body and there's one spirit we we all agreed on on those things that the body is the church and and that the you know there's there's one spirit it's the holy spirit and then we got to one hope of your calling and they said well what do you think about that well dad went to first peter and how that there's one hope Mm -hmm. he said he's begotten you to a living hope you know that's uh that's that's pure it's undefiled it does not fade away and it's reserved in heaven for you and i'm i'm paraphrasing that and uh (laughs) so we, we got through this process and they said well we believe there's two hopes and and so it's like okay so we're going through this whole thing and and it's uh, uh it's real interesting how some people have some some crazy views that are out there and what were some of the things they were saying well they believed that the kingdom was not established until 1914 and and how that uh through biblical prophecy and they're going to explain all this to us the next time uh, you know, but we're, we're looking at how that, you know, Jesus said, you know, some standing here will not taste death until they see the kingdom come with power. And, um, <clears throat> well, they were trying to tell us that that was fulfilled when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. Anyways, it's just, they've got two different hopes. And so they, they believe that there's a hope of heaven in the end. And then they believe that there's a hope of the meek will inherit the earth and how the work, earth is going to remain. And anyways, it's, it's a jacked up. So were these um, Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses? Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, because at, at first we were drifting into, I think, Mormonism in my mind, but then we, we brought it back around to Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, that's right. And so they well, – um, You know, I, I'm anyways. actually going to study with um, – it's interesting you say this. This evening I'm going to study with um, a couple, and the wife was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. And, yeah. you know, she had a period of atheism and that she went through – and then, you know, she kind of, you know, really and truly what happened was she realized like, okay, you know, these, uh, if I, if I may put it in the term of a, a seven-year-old homeschooler, I'm not doing very right. And mm. the, the, and, and, and the, what's surprising too, though, is like, I say surprising is that the Jehovah's Witness guys that we're studying with, they have, they have a load of biblical knowledge. Right. Um, but they're, but each church is not they claim to be autonomous but they're oh not no, no. really but they also don't claim to be you know they have these kind of 88 teachings that are sent down from the top up yeah charles in, russell and those guys that, that started yeah and yeah. uh and so mm-hmm. we love them and we're going to study with them they've agreed to study we're we're all being agreeable and uh and if nothing else, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, learn you, you and know plant the, seeds. And. Well, well, you know the the, the so use the word seed right there. You know Jesus uses in the parable. Here's the the big thing is that if you plant the right seed, the right thing will grow. If you plant true seed, you know you if you plant whatever seed you plant will grow from that seed. And I say that because you know the Jehovah's Witnesses. You just see which Bible they're using. They actually have a 
their own Bible. Yeah, they have their own translation, the New World Translation, yeah. Yeah, and so if they're reading from that translation, just just look at things like um, Hebrews 1. You know, if you look at Hebrews 1, uh, I think I'm pretty sure on this one. Don't hold me to this and don't don't make yourself look stupid, you know, when you do this with them. Uh, the, uh, if you're like me, you'll do a good enough job that by yourself. But the... <laughs> I, the, I, I don't need any help looking stupid. I, well, Hebrews 1, 2. I got that one mastered. And these last days he's spoken to us by his son. You know, they'll bracket mm-hmm. that in there. And because they don't believe that Jesus is God incarnate. You know, that's right. why they don't call themselves Christian. They call them witnesses of, of Yahweh or Jehovah. And so they'll bracket that. They'll say, like, that was added later. And you know what that means? Eventually they'll take it out. And because it supports yeah. their, their doctrine on this. And so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, these the these ideologies that the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, kind of entrusted themselves to, you know, I, 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 you know, if we're going to just talk about them a minute, I, I'll give them credit for one thing is that, you know, in 1911, uh, 12 or something like that was they predicted the end of the world. And then it didn't happen, so they said it happened next year. And then it went on. And then I think 1914 is when they finally said, okay, it did happen, but uh, we just didn't know it happened. Basically, we're just Mm -hmm. so kind of messed up. And at least they gave up on trying to predict the date, right? You know, in the sense of, you know, they gave up on, on trying to predict that, hey, it's imminent now. Well, you know, that's something a lot of our religious friends they just haven't quite figured out yet. You know, we get really caught up in these things. So, you know, if you take a step back and look at this from the kind of the 50,000-foot view, right, you're going to have things that become uh, seem to be centerpieces of Scripture that may not be as imperative as, as they are. What I mean by that is, like, every part of God's Word is important. But so you think about, so God tells Abraham, that you're going to go into, you know, it'll be the fourth generation, essentially, in, in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17, that you're yeah, going to but, go. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just kind of that the, uh, what, what's it, the iniquity of the Amorites is not completely. Yeah, and he, he said the fourth generation, and then, you know, later it said the 400 years, and then Stephen mm-hmm. actually in Acts 7 records it as 430 years, I think is what it is. And, and what happens is, is you see God using representatively, these numbers that that it's not that this God has got a timer, you know, like my oven timer is messed up right now. The oven part works fine. And I asked Jessica the other day, like, you want to get a new oven? She's like, well, I mean, they're like $1,500. She's like, I'll just use the microwave timer. The microwave timer, I just have to set the microwave timer. The microwave. Yeah, or set a timer on my phone. Yeah, it will work. The oven timer. So if you walk, when I got up this morning, the the oven timer, I mean, the oven clock said 4.38, and it was like, it was a quarter after five when I got up this morning. And throughout the day, it'll get off even more. And so what happens is, is we think about, you know, God's timing as explicit as ours are. And what, like you tell your kids, uh, you've got 30 minutes, you know, on video games. Well, that's only 30 minutes that they have. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be done in 30 minutes. Well, we think God's timing. Well, God is just using these kind of round Numbers, did it happen into the fourth generation? Well, technically not. It didn't happen in the fourth generation. Did it happen in 400 years? Technically not. It didn't happen in 400 years. But, you know, God, the thing of it is is that we don't, like when, if you go, like look at Exodus chapter 12. 
Yeah, and let's go. Let's go look at those that you know where Stephen said that. I think that'll be good for our Act Seven for our li- for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's do that. I want I want to show some some kind of an a, a analogous type things here. Like you think about this in Exodus twelve. Sorry for all the snorting. All of us are sick here. Yeah, I'm and, sick too. I've and, been sick. I'm I'm better now, but still got the aftermath. Yeah, Exodus twelve. The um, it's going to be Exodus twelve. I'm pretty sure that it tells the number of fighting men that leave. Yeah, there's thirty seven. Yeah, that leave six hundred thousand men on foot besides children. Yeah, six hundred thousand men on foot besides. If you go back and you start counting the numbers of people that come out, that's not an accurate number. You know, mm-hmm. that that's just like on Pentecost in Acts 2.41 when it says in about 3,000 souls were added to them that day. You know, that could have been 2,942. Or that could have been 3,063. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's about 3,000 either way. And so what happens sometimes is, you know, these ideas of, of explicit time. Now we'll yeah, how, many, Act- how many people were at church yesterday? Well, about 125. Yeah, exactly, you know? and so or when, whatever it might have been. Yeah, you you look at you look at uh, you go back to Acts seven, and you know Stephen kind of gives this this um, stitching it together here, and where does he say it at? It's in Acts seven somewhere. When they brings them out, it's going to be before verse twenty, I believe. see here but what you what you get to kind of see with some of these things is what happens in the way god makes these timing events happen is not that that it's a timer ticking down like sand in an hourglass but there's these kind of things that have to happen in place in order for it to become full like the iniquity of the amorites wasn't full yet god had to wait until this time where he could send judgment on canaan well he was not just sending judgment on canaan he was also bringing israel in but all these things are born of the fact that we, for whatever reason, we want to have this. We, you know, when you go to bed at nighttime and you lay down and you're and and I don't know if you ever do this. Like last night, you know, I went to bed. I set my alarm clock for five thirty just in case I woke up late. Well, I woke up at about a quarter after five or five after five or something like that this morning, twenty minutes before my alarm clock went off. But when I went to bed. It was almost midnight. We had to go to Jackson for a basketball game. We come back home and all the things that you kind of got to do. It was almost midnight before I got to bed last night. Well, you know, when you set your timer, you look at your clock and it tells you like you got four hours and 18 minutes left before you got to wake up. And and you almost wish it wouldn't even tell you that, you know, because Mm -hmm. when it does that, it kind of rubs it in your face. Like you're only getting four hours of sleep. So now I got to go in tomorrow thinking I'm only going to get four hours of sleep. Well, we do the same thing with, with religion and with regards to these things. We think like if I can, if I can kind of get a time frame in my mind together, then what I'll do is I'll have, I'll be able to, I'll be able to kind of pinpoint. I'll be able to put things off. I'll be able to give a time that I can, uh, it's verse six of Acts seven. God spoke that the descendants yeah, would dwell says, in the land 400, 400 years. Yeah. And and then he's going to go on to say that, that later on that it was 430 years. But, and it's in here somewhere. You can, 
you can find it in here. But the the ultimate thing is a lot of these things are born because what happens is is we end up just wanting to to buy ourselves some time or have a way that I can look at and see uh, a a a a far off event. This event to make time to make to make um, you know get these things in order, so to speak. Well. You know, God speaks very explicitly that about the fact that he doesn't care how you die. It doesn't matter when you die. It matters were you ready when you died. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately what we got to go through is this process of us understanding that we've always got to be ready. Yeah, that's the main thing um, is that it, it – it, so let's say let's say that we have it wrong, right? Let's let's say that there's kind of four kind of views that that my understanding is well. There's there may be more out there, but kind of four common views, and I think that that would be good for you to kind of spell that out for our listeners. What you you know what what you uh, <clears throat> kind of the four people that four camps, so to speak of. Of the end times, you got the you know the, the thousand year reign guys, you got the premillennial guys, you got you know these different things. There's some there's some people that believe that that you know Jesus has already come back and now he's now the kingdom is kind of it's reigning here on on earth and uh, you know as as it is. But uh, anyways, there's so let's say that we do have it wrong. Let's say that let's say that that scriptures you know first what is it? First Thessalonians, it talks about, he's going to come back with a shout of an archangel and, and you know, that he's going to, you're going to see him, you know, from everybody's going to see him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so you think about those things and those things are explicit, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's Exodus 12 and verse 40 is where it says 430 years. Stephen paraphrases it. You know, that's that's why Stephen says 400 okay. years. And Exodus, yeah. Stephen said 400 and then it was yeah, 430. Remember next. Stephen's yeah. message. So just remember that, just in context, right? So Stephen's message is is about, you know, Sunday I preached this lesson. You know, faith is taking your medicine or wiggling on the table. And I, I examined two groups of people, you know, those on Pentecost that they were cut to the heart and said, what do we do? Peter tells them in verse 38 of Acts 2 and verse 41, 3,000 souls jump out and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my medicine. And and Acts 7 is the same scenario. It's about taking your medicine, but they wiggled on the table. They, they squirmed away from the needle. And what they did when they were cut to the heart was they gnashed with their teeth and they run and stone Stephen. And so mm-hmm. you got two ways you can do it when you hear what God wants you to do. Both groups in Acts 2 and Acts 7 says they were cut to the heart. Well, in Acts 7, Stephen's kind of story is because they've levied his accusation against him. Like he's a blasphemer. He's speaking things against Moses. He's saying God's going to destroy this place, the temple, as it were. Well, so Stephen has to, he gives them this sermon as a history lesson. And he says, you know, Abraham and Jacob, Isaac and Jacob and the children of Israel dwelt in Egypt for about 400 years. Well, mm-hmm. or it says 400 years. Well, Exodus 12 and verse 40 is where it says Israel, the time that they 
dwelt was 430 years. Well, that's a recording time. You know, we're trying to get some some explicit. You know, it's like when when you see the the kings and the chronicles. It'll say in the second year of the of the reign of this guy, this guy becomes king. So you can actually line up leapfrog way the time frame. Well, that's those. There's sometimes there's a reason to do that, and sometimes there's a reason to speak in hyperbole or metaphorically, and so. Yeah. And so, yeah, some people might say, well, that's a contradiction in the Bible. One says 430, one says 400. No, he's just, he's just speaking in a, in a, in a term where they would understand, but it doesn't have to be exact. Yeah. And and we all do that. So like when Israel and and numbers 13, the spies, when they come back moaning and complaining, we're like grasshoppers, the land's full of giants. Literally that wasn't the case. There were giants there. I mean, obviously there were giants Mm -hmm. there. Gad, I mean, uh, Goliath, uh, Goliath was from Gath, and so right. that's in Canaan. So you could say that. You could say that there are mm-hmm. giants there and, and not be a false statement. But does it say that it's – Well, they're not going to point out the they're not going to point out the small guys. You know, there's guys there that are five foot six too. <laughs> that's right. You know? yeah. I was no, taller than gonna, nine of them. And, and yeah, think about just, Israel. Is, talk, they're eating grapes the size of baseballs. You know, who, yeah, they're going to talk about the big things. Yeah, they and, come back and that's to, what we talk about too. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, people don't go – you know, well, well, I, I spilt my coffee. You know, people will tell you, you know, well, this car pulled out in front of me and I spilt my coffee everywhere. Well, they don't tell you where they put their coffee cup after they spilt it. Right. Nobody talks about that. They just talk about the fact that, you know, I spilt my coffee. That's the, that's the overall thing, and that's all that, that Steve is saying here. So so let's jump into this. So what's one of the first um, – uh, well, give us like the four right quick. Kind of what, what's the four? That- well, there's, there's, there's kind of – it depends on how you. So here's the problem with dispensational premillennialism, and that's one of these big five dollar words that a yeah. that a fifty cent Southern mouth has a hard time spitting out. Okay. Yeah. So say that again. Dispensational premillennialism. You yeah. Know, break you, that down for our listeners first. Well, you got to think about this. Dispensation is break it, it down for me, Chris. <laughs> dispensation <laughs> is dis, the dispensing of, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible kind of points at time. Let's just say that you believe in dispensational premillennialism. The Bible is outlined in three different dispensations of time as it is written. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that whether or not you believe the third one is the final time or there's one to come. The Bible clearly marks three dispensations of time. The first dispensation is the patriarchal age, and it comes from the idea that God spoke Hebrews one. In diverse times, in diverse manners, God spoke to our fathers, right? He, yeah. he, there was a time that God spoke to the fathers. That's why patriarch, you know, when we went through the our, our – I'm teaching the middle school class. I'm just having such a blast with this. And we went through, and everybody kept forgetting what patriarch meant. So I just said, okay, just take triarchal out of it and just put pa. It just means mm-hmm. daddy. So now everybody says this when they spoke to the paws. That's right. They spoke to the daddies. So it's yeah. when God spoke to the fathers, okay? Then God moves into this dispensation, this further dispensing of time, this time when things are dispensed differently. Like you dispense to to Carson gets dispensed a lot differently if he's been working on a farm all day, his food rations than Camille does. You know, yeah. Camille's going to eat two chicken nuggets and she's done and wants a piece of I mean one of Courtney's cinnamon buns or something. But right. Carson's going to sit down and eat nine pizzas if you let him. 
Mm-hmm. Well, there's a different dispensation. The second dispensation of time begins as essentially in Exodus 19, where Moses receives the law on Sinai. This is when the mosaical dispensation dispensation happens. And what happens from that point forward is you start to shadow the cross heavily. You know, the whole time yeah, and, there's the same. And, and that, go, go ahead. The whole time there's the same timeline in there. It's not that it's not that you're the Gentiles had a different law, and maybe we could talk about that sometimes, the law of the Gentiles in the Old Testament, but but they all had the same moral law, but Jews had this kind of tangent time that came into play. And this tangent time just had some things that were getting them ready to understand and see the cross more clearer. So the closer my shadow gets to this wall right here, the better you can tell what my hand did, that it's my hand that's back here. You got no idea what that shadow is moving on the wall. The closer it is getting to it, the the tighter and easier it is to understand that's Chris's hand. That's what the that's what Moses and those prophets did. As they went on, each prophet prophesied more and more. They gave more prophecies of Jesus. So then they started staying they started lining up and you could see closer. Okay, we got a shadow. We got a shadow of something standing up. We got a shadow of five things, five distinct parts to it. The closer we get, it's got a thumb and you can see that it's making a hand. So the whole time, the prophets during the Mosaical Age were pointing towards the Christian age. They were pointing towards the cross. And then Colossians 3, Ephesians 2, Hebrews 9, uh, Jeremiah 31 points to the time. I mean, all these things point to the fact that the cross would be this new age. Now, Peter, now I want to point out something to us before we move any further that the Bible points to the fact that this is the last age that we're going to live in. So you look at what Peter's Peter's sermon in Acts 2 when he starts his sermon. And so the um, uh, Acts 2 and verse 17, Peter starts with prophecy. And he starts and yeah. he says, It shall come to pass in the, what's that word? La- right last days. Yeah. What's that mean? I mean, what's what does last mean? That's the final, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible points to the fact that the Christian age is the final age. Okay, the final yeah, it age started two thousand, roughly two thousand years ago. Yeah, we're we're working on two centuries of the last age. Now, what has happened is there because of this kind of giant misunderstanding with Israel and Palestine and and this whole. Uh, kingdom, God's chosen people. God didn't send Jesus for all men to become Jews. God sent Jesus so that all men could become Christians, Jew and Gentile alike. Mm-hmm. So so you take that and just understand that God's plan all along was to bring everybody under this umbrella of Christianity. Well, what our friends in uh, these dispensational premillennialist camps, there's kind of these... And, and, and really, we could say two, we could say three, we could really say 20. The problem with dispensational premillennialism as it exists right now, a hundred and some change years into it that we are, that you, you go back and you listen to the songs that we used to sing 150 years ago. There's a great day coming. You know, all those songs that point to the one day, they, were, they kind of predate this premillennial or that hadn't made it as popular yet so that it becomes into our song lyrics, as it were. 
Well, what you're going to find in doing this is that once this kind of theology comes on the scene about predispensational millennial, I mean, dispensational premillennialism, there's a few camps that exist. There is the premillennialist, which means that Jesus will come and he will set up a thousand year. There will be a thousand years where Jesus reigns on earth. He will have a thousand years that he reigns as on earth. Okay. The second one is I'm following these as a timeline. The second mm-hmm. one is the post-millennialist. So the post-millennialist are the ones that believe that Jesus will come and set up a kingdom in which it will be the end of time. So pre-millennialist, his kingdom will predate the end of time. Post-millennialist, his kingdom will date pre will exist after the end of time. And then there's the amillennialist. They're the ones that believe and think that the kingdom is here today. Now, what you have in each one of these kind of camps is there's this huge, if we turn to the book of Revelation, this is where all the, you know, you really have to start, you know, using a splitting mall and wedges to drive these things in there to get it. Because if you just consider some things, for example, 2 Peter 3 verse 10 says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the works and all its works therein will be consumed with fire. It, everything will be burned up. First Corinthians 15, I think it's verse 30, says that Jesus will never set foot on earth again. He's never going to, when he left, he's never coming back. In Acts 1 and verse, I don't know, 9 or 10, when when Peter and, and the other apostles are standing there gazing into heaven, watching Jesus ascend, the angel that's standing there with him, he's like, what are y'all doing? Yeah, essentially says, y'all got to get to work the same manner in which he ascended. He will come again in the same way. So Jesus will one day descend. You know, you pointed out that verse and tucked away at the end of the Thessalonian letter that that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trump shall sound. You know, we'll all, everybody, it's not something that's like going to surprise us. Even the deaf will hear the trumpet sound. So, when you go to this this kind of Revelation 20, and what you hear is like even even my Bible at the top of it, my Thomas Nelson Bible, I don't know when this was printed. This was Jessica and I's wedding presents. So it was at least 20 years old. Uh, we got each other. Exodus 20 at the, the I mean, not Exodus, Revelation 20. Does yours have a little title thing above it, Bob? Um, My Revelation... 20 is about pretty well destroyed. <laughs> well, Here, let me show you my Revelation 20. It's, uh, it's that, got holes in it. So from like Revelation 6 to like 21, there's some there's some pretty big gaps there that yeah, from but, Dallas Felton's dog. Yeah, so. well, this this is this is my Genesis 1, so don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, my, right. I'm missing part of the first chapter. You're missing part of the end, you yeah. know. And, I mean, I had so many notes anyways. Well, uh, well you know what they turned into. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so my Exodus 20 at the top of it, it says Satan bound 1,000 years. Now, yeah. so you think about yeah. this, all right? So we, we read this Revelation 20. And we look at verse seven. Do, do you have verse seven in yours, Bob? Well, I've actually got, yeah, four. I start and kind of four is, is not been ripped out. 
And so above verse four, it says Satan reigns a thousand years. And then above verse seven, it says Satan is released and leads rebellion. Yeah. So now verse seven, it says, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Now I want you to just with that context here. All right. So that, that is the thing that Thomas Nelson and our premillennialist friends or post-millennialist friends have this creed as literal. Verse 1, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him, so that he should deceive nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So... You think about all these things that that we all agree on is figurative. We agree that it, mm-hmm. that the key is figurative, the bottomless pit is figurative, a great chain, the dragon, uh, the bottomless pit again, a seal set on him. All those things are figurative. But what we uh, what we say then is that the thousand years is literal. Right. And, and so we take all these figurative things and then we pick one of them out of there and we say. It's this is literal. Now you think about it. The thousand years is, is repeated twice. Well, so is the bottomless pit repeated twice. Why isn't why isn't uh um the 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 dispensational millennialist saying it, it could have just as easily ended up as dispensational pits, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is what they decided was literal. And it's because as a as a people, we exist we exist around this idea of, of expiration dates and times. And so we like these things, you know, you think about in Matthew 23, I mean, uh, 24 and 25, when, when the disciples bring Jesus up to the temple and they start showing him the temple and they're like, look at all these buildings. And, and Jesus says, not one of these stones will be unturned. You know, everything is going to happen. So then he goes, they go on to ask him like, well, when are these things going to happen? What will be the signs? And when will be the end of time? And he's going to answer those three questions for them there. So when he goes through and answers those questions, he you see that they really didn't they were really realizing that Jesus was talking about two different events. You know, he was talking about the destruction of the temple. Everybody, everybody agrees on that. You know, scholars alike agree mm-hmm. that that Jesus was talking about the as a matter of fact, Thomas Nelson, even in my Bible, and that one says the destruction of the temple foretold. And that happened in AD 70. Because Jesus says, some of you standing here won't taste death until that comes. So what you find is this event, this end of time event scenario, this premillennialist thing, it is born of this, this thought process. And let me and, and any of our premillennialist friends that are listening, please, if this comes out wrong, I don't mean any kind of negativity towards you i don't mean any kind of uh, haughtiness but but i want you to understand that that jesus ephesians chapter one and colossians chapter three ephesians chapter two isaiah chapter two daniel chapter two i I could go we could go through and list all the prophecies of the church and their fulfillment in the church. The, they, the ones that talk about the fulfillment of the church talk about the fact that they were before predestined, before the foundation of the world, all those things. Our premillennialist friends, what they tell us is this. Essentially, Jesus came to earth. This is why they really can't agree on 
whether it's post or pre or ah. Now, I will say this. If we were to put ourselves in a theological camp, Bob, we would put ourselves in, given the fact of the many conversations you and I have had together, whether it's in our trucks or whether it's here at the church or in our living rooms, we would be considered amillennialist through a theological school of camp. We believe right. that the kingdom mm-hmm. is here now, that we're currently living in the millennial period, the, the, the reign of Jesus, the kingdom is here. Yeah, and some people will be like, "Well, well, how do you come to that?" And and we'll share scriptures on that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but the, the the before and we need to. But before we get there, it, because you can't, you can't, you, you have to in you have to insert this in there. What they believe happened is Jesus came to restore the kingdom of Israel. You know, that's what they ask him in in, in Acts one. Acts Lord, one. Yeah. Well, Lord, will you now restore the kingdom of Israel? And, and you see that they really still aren't getting it. I mean, they, they've got right. to work through some of these things, and that's fine. We have to go through this process. Everybody's got this process they got to go through, and that's what we're here to do. It's and Jesus is like, I'm just I'm just going to give the Spirit. He'll he'll be with each one of y'all at the same, at the same yeah, time, this, but he'll, he'll deal with your own little minds. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> you'll work the bugs out of this yourself. Well, yeah. they think that essentially when Jesus came and was rejected by the Jews, that God put the church— age that we live in in place as kind of like the pinch hitter so jesus came his original plan was to restore the kingdom of israel to become this bastion of of glory of god's people once again so that god could work all these things through them when jesus's people the jews rejected him god essentially says okay We'll give you the church then until yeah. he comes back the next time. But when he comes back next time, now there's no prophecies about this. No. There's no prophecies no, the, of him coming no, the back. The prophecy and, was always that the church was always part of, as we said in an, another podcast, it's always part of plan A. That it was no always about, yeah, there's no plan B, <laughs> but it was always part of God's original plan that, that there's going to be. It's it's the church. It was as you as you talked about. It was prophesied about. Yeah, and so so the 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 challenge is this. Okay, so let let me. You, we have to boil these things down into some kind of it, aggregate them into some kind of imbibable terms. So here here's what it boils down to. In my mind, this means that God could not accomplish His purpose. That God messed yeah, if up. They said that right. Yeah, yeah. That God could not accomplish His purpose, and God messed up, and so. Here's the question that that's born of. If there's a second one coming, if there's a second one coming, who's to say it's not going to happen again? Will there be a third one and a fourth mm-hmm. one and a fifth one? I mean, what happens? Yeah, we're going to need another Bible. Do you, do you uh, think that, that, I mean, let's be honest. The reason, the reason why they killed Jesus, this was by his own people, the most religious people. <clears throat> is the world getting better or is it getting worse? I mean, it's obviously right. getting worse. Right. So if the world's getting worse, do we think that that letting time go it will improve the situation of them accepting Jesus? That that's just not the case. That that's just not no. the way it's going to work. And so and and kind of and I wanted to to key in on something that you'd brought up earlier that I I want to make sure that we got clarity on the is that Hebrews one that God who is at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers that's the patriarchal age lasted about twenty five hundred years. Then he said he spoke by the he spoke to the fathers by the prophets, and so God, Moses is that first prophet where God said, because God had all, God had talked to Abraham, said, "Get out of this country," 
you know, I'm going to make you a great nation out of you. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you. God uh, talks to Noah, tells him to build the ark. And so you go through where he's speaking to Jacob and I, he's speaking to the fathers directly. Well, then Moses is the very first prophet. And Deuteronomy 25 says there's not arisen in Israel a, a prophet like Moses whom God spoke to. And it talks about how he's speaking to him directly, you know, one-on-one. Right. And so later prophets, God is going to speak to them. Some is going to be directly, but others are going to be through dreams and visions and those kind of things. And so God spoke through the prophets, and that was about a 1,500-year period during that law time, that Mosaic age. Well, now he says in these last days, you talked about the last days with 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 um, with Peter in, in Acts 2, talking about in uh, in his sermon. Well, then the finished part of Acts of, of Hebrews 1 says, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. And we right. know that Jesus is the word of God. John 1, um, we know Revelation 19, Jesus is the word of God. His name is called the word of God. And so Christ has spoken to us in, the, in these last days. So, so if anybody thinks that there's going to be um, something new that's going to come about, well, there's... He is, it's finalized. He has done it. He's spoken to us by his son. And, um, and so I just want to clarify that to, to make sure that people understand that these last days, the, the end, the, the beginning of the end, however you want to say it, he spoke to us through Jesus. And so it's, it's the last thing they needed to do. Well, and there's nothing greater he could, he could give to us than Christ. Yeah. And so that's why it gets, it's real fuzzy with trying to nail it down because you have these guys that are that are the seven year period in there, you mm-hmm. know that that they can't figure out if it's three and a half, three one three, three and a half, and three and a half of the way the breakdown is going to come down. Yeah, God's going to give second chances, you know, during that seven year period. He's giving right. you second chances right now, right? If you're breathing, repent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was studying with somebody the other day that that is a Christian now. And I was talking to him, and I said, you know, let, let me ask you. They, they were like, they were talking about like, you know, I just, I almost feel unworthy because I see the way the events lined up in my life in order to bring me to this point where I can be saved. And 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 what they were saying, they were trying to say it without saying it was like, I don't know. I just feel like God's worked so many things in my life that I just feel unworthy. And I said, I said, let me just, let me just step back. I said. While I appreciate your attitude, and boy, I hope you always keep that humility. Let, let me just ask yeah. you a question. How long has God wanted you to be saved? They said, uh, well, ever since I became a sinner. I said, so just think about this. Whenever, Let's just say you were uh, 17 years old in two months and three days and 48 seconds, okay, that you committed your first sin. When did God want you to be saved then? Okay, you're you're almost 40 now. So, so God, just be thank that in the last 23 years, you had a chance. You had a second chance. Every God was waiting every single day. Yes. He wanted you to be saved the second after, whatever the second I said, three seconds. He wanted you to be saved at four seconds in. He didn't want any to perish at 2 Peter 3, 9. So it's not while what you're seeing is how your life now You've had these events and you've had these things, and just be thankful that you thought you sought what what was the true thing. You're not a product of your environment. 
you're a product of the decisions and they're born and what they're born out of. You you are not a product of your birth. You're a right. product of the decisions that you've made and the circumstances that have been born from those. And mm-hmm. so God has been trying to save Chris and Bob and Courtney and Jessica and Carson. And, uh, you know, we can name all of our young. He's been trying to save every one of us since the first moment we sinned. He's got a plan yeah. to save Millie when Millie sins, yeah. you right. know, whatever that is, you know, whatever point in the future, Millie becomes conscious of those things or case right. or both. Yeah, I mean, she's conscious. I mean, she's like, uh, you know, something about, uh, I don't remember what it was the other night that somebody had said something and it was like, uh, you know, there's a boogeyman outside or something. She's like, you lied to me, you know? And so she, 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 five yeah, years when it's old, convenient, right? yeah, she understands that somebody lied to her, but what, and so she understands, okay, lying, that's wrong. You shouldn't right. do that. Yeah. But what's the, does she, she doesn't understand though, that lying will make, will separate you from God. Yeah. For eternity. For eternity. Yeah, and she knows so woodshed you, right now. Huh? She knows the woodshed right now. Yeah, she understands uh, spanking. You know, right. A plus B equals C, right. and I don't want C. Right. But but there's a but when someone comes to the realization that I'm separated for, you know, forever from God, I'm I'm truly am lost. I got to be born again. You know. Well, ask let's, a five year old who's the old man. You know. Anyways, that's a that's a big challenge. And so yeah, the, there was a there. Uh, we had a little girl here at church Sunday, and and her grandma was holding her and. Uh, she said, the little girl said, I want to be baptized. I said, I tell you what. She said, I said, why? She said, because I want to take the bread and the and the, the wine mm-hmm. or whatever she called it. And I said, I tell you what, when you can spell bread, we'll start having that conversation. Right? Yeah. Until you can spell bread, we're not ready for that conversation. And mm-hmm. her grandma just grinned. Well, you, you know, you think about those things. Let's turn to Colossians 1 and verse 13. Let's look at a few of these verses here. All right, go ahead. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom that will come. Is that what it says? No. He's delivered us from darkness and conveyed us into the church. It's not what it says. What What does it say? He's com- He's delivered us from the darkness and, conve- and conveyed us into the kingdom. The kingdom of the son of his love. So when someone is delivered from darkness, when they're saved, Mm -hmm. they're delivered into the what? The kingdom. The kingdom. Yeah, it's not the church age. That's what I meant by the church there. The kingdom Mm -hmm. and the church are the same. You know, it, it doesn't say that he delivered. Paul doesn't say he delivered us into this pinch hitter category until he comes back for his kingdom. He delivered us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah, and I would, I would, uh, I'm not like getting real picky here, but I just want people to understand too. I think he in verse 13 is referencing God in verse 12, giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He, God, has has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom it's through Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So you're Did I say Jesus? Did I say Jesus there and he Yeah, yeah. What which is I meant meant, but yeah, but yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. You you did you 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 know you had a perfect 
cotization of it, that cutting it Listen, up. God is God is doing this through Jesus. He's he is the the God of of you know. He set up this kingdom. Well, this is telling us right here that okay, if He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, then was that kingdom that it had to be in existence if we're going to get into it. Yeah, conveyed literally means to possess. You know, like, you know, fancy terms when you buy something. If you ever look at your your land deeds and stuff like that, it'll say something like, like this land is hereby conveyed to Robert Tips, you know, whatever your, I can't remember what your middle name is. I don't own any land. The, uh, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, like, if your deed, it'll yeah. say, you know, it's conveyed. That means you literally possess it, right? That doesn't mean... That one day you'll possess it. Now, if you don't pay your taxes, actually, that's probably not a good yeah. way to write it in America because, you know, your sale, your property tax is a, is a yearly punishment for those that are responsible. But that's a whole Here, other. Here's the new American standard. Here's what it says. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he's transferred us into this kingdom. If I he's call the church and I say, I want to be transferred over to Bob, who are they going to transfer me to? They got it. Bob has to exist to be transferred to him. That's right. Exactly right. They're not just, I'm not, they're not just going to say, okay, let me make up Bob. You know, I, I, there, there's got to be Bob existing to do that. Well, you know, you, you think about this idea then that there was this, kingdom that they were conveyed into now the now the bible does point in, in and of itself like in matthew 16 jesus says i will build my church that's true in matthew 16 he does say that verse 18 mm-hmm. but in acts 2 in verse 47 you're seeing this is uh, years two in the future and and acts 2 in verse 47 they're adding to the church so the bible does point towards future times within itself but it fulfills those times in which it points to those things except for the fact that one day jesus is going to come back there were things that that jesus did prophesy about that took place in the first century for example he prophesied that the spirit would come okay that was a prophecy Mm -hmm. paul prophesied that during their time frame that the spirit would leave them first corinthians 13 it was going to be over with ephesians 4 those are things that happened during the first century. They are over with now. The, the Bible does point to in Matthew 16 that the church would be built. Well, the church was established on the, Pente- on the day of Pentecost because they were added to the church. Acts 2.41, they were added to their number. So the Bible mm-hmm. does internally point towards things that will happen in the future. But what it's doing, and do, it, what is, what, the only one that it does not point to an, an, a a an end date as it were is when he comes back and when he comes back that's why jesus you know we read john 12 and verse 48 he that rejects me and receives not my words has as one, that which judges him yeah. the same so judgment the last day shall be my words and in john 12 47 he tells us that jesus came not to save the world i mean not to condemn the world but to help the world to be saved same as in john three seventeen, for god mm-hmm. sent not his son in the world to condemn the world but through the world he might be saved but you know, the world through him might be yeah, saved. yeah 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 sorry you know right. <laughs> I know, you're just getting excited yeah so what you're seeing is is that all these warnings that jesus is like listen 
I'm coming to give you these warnings that when it's over with, it's over with. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, die, and after this, the judgment. When Jesus comes back, it will be a one-day event. You want to read some of those verses, Bob, about the one-day event? Yeah, that'll be fine. And and kind of if if you do the if you do someone does a Google search, and I I don't guess we can put this up. I need to figure out how we can put this up. In I a, can do it over here, but I just don't have the keyboard and all that stuff. You know to do. But it. anyways, we'll do uh, if you time. if you just did a search of premillennialism, you know on on a it, it's going to compare the kind of the four teachings and and diagrams, and so you know you got this this uh this time period where you've got you know you've got this you got the cross then you've got a tribulation a second coming thousand year reign and then you got the last judgment then you've got the pre the dispensational millennial then he believes that there's a there's the cross there's the second coming you know for the for the church or the rapture you know that happens God takes back his his saints or whatever. And then you've got this tribulation period of however many years you you mentioned you sometimes they talk about seven or whatever. Then there's a second coming with the church that Christ comes. So there's two comings, Jesus. Right. Then a thousand year reign and then the final judgment. Pre and post. Right. And then now you got a post millennialism that believes there's a cross, then there's a thousand years, and then you've got a a second coming last judgment. And then you've got the, the amillennialism, which is kind of the, the symbolic part where you got the cross. And then you've got that. This is a, a, it's, it's a symbolism of a thousand years that Christ is, is already reigning. And then you got a second coming or last judgment. So symbolically a thousand years, you know, that yeah, symbolically, not a literal thousand years. Yeah, that's why Peter uses the term like a day in the Lord is, you know, that's why verse, you know, seven of chapter three of second Peter, you know, it's like the Lord isn't slur- slack concerning his promise as some men would count slackness. In other words, people, you know, like he's slumbering, he's sleeping, you know, like you remember, Peter says, a day in the Lord is like a thousand years. So to God, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's one day or 10 days, it's still eternity for him. So it's not like there's a rising in the setting of the sun. Remember, you know, God tells us when we get to heaven, there will be no more dark. Well, the darkness just, just separates the day and the night. Remember Genesis 1, darkness in the, in the evening and the, and the morning was separated by a day and a night. And that's trained our thinking to into this daytime aspect. God says when you get to heaven, I'm going to be the light. There will never be darkness again. That's why there's no daytime scenario. It's not like when you've been there for, you know, 40 years, you think like, oh, I didn't eat today. That, that, that doesn't exist anymore. Your time frame is, is, is you're outside of time then. God exists outside of time. And so a day, God said he's coming back in, in the end of Revelation. He said, I'm coming quickly. What does that mean? Is mm-hmm. he his quick is awful slow? If if you consider that it's taken two thousand years and he hadn't got back yet, he he listen, he might come back before the end of this podcast, Bob. Yeah, it might not even get aired. <laughs> yeah, you think about that, Matthew. When I taught Ben's college class, you know, we 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 um we went through this whole spiel about like this this day in the future that we think about 
when we're when when judgment's coming. And you know, Abby and Mitchell are getting ready to get married. You know, Matthew twenty five, when Jesus points towards the fact that he's going to come back, it'll be like the days of Noah. Men were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. I told Abby, I said, Abby, do you look forward to your wedding day? And she said, I do. And she described it a little bit. And I said, you know, here's the very true reality of this. Mitchell may say, I do, and you may not get your words out of your mouth before the Lord comes home. That, that's a very real reality, Abby. You, you, we have to see the scriptures as being that true, is that mm-hmm. while you look, it's great, look forward to your wedding day. It's a blessed event. And and yeah. praise God, I'm happy for you. And you're marrying a Christian and a fine one. Mitchell does a great job. He's a great guy. And she's going to be a great, you know, uh, They'll be a great power couple. She does a lot for mm-hmm. the with the student center now. Just very involved, great girl. Well, I, but I told her, I said, "You're still thinking about that day." Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to think about that day. I think about a lot of days in the future, but what God says is that that day, there will be somebody that says, "I do," somewhere, probably many places in the world at the same time. Somebody's going to say, "I do," and that's going to be the "I done." God's going to be done with it then. And so when you think about those things, like in, in um, the verse, you know, Second Thessalonians, you know, uh, what, I mean, First Thessalonians, what God tells us about that verse chapter 5, concerning the times and the season, we have no need to write to you, verse 1, for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord, verse 2, so comes as a thief in the, the day of the Lord, the day, not the mm-hmm. days, not the rain, for when they say peace and safety, we're okay, we're in the good. You know, there's still there's still time. You think about what you could put in there. The Lord will be back in a thousand years. There will be the rapture. Okay, the rapture is one of the the biggest misleading things out there. That's the idea that that one day everybody's gonna all the faithful will be snatched away. And they will be left as kind of a testimony that God was going to save the faithful. I can promise you this. If I'm riding, if I'm on a bus or I'm in an airplane and there's 50 people that seats are missing and all of a sudden, I promise you I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that my seat is empty before I hit the ground. Because the last thing, the last thing I don't want going through my mind is my tail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that I can join them. Well, this whole idea is is a false, is a gives people false hope. I, and they have made, they have made movies about this stuff. Absolutely, think about what it says when they say peace and safety. Think about what you could take out of that and put in there when they say a thousand years, when they say the rapture, when they say. I mean, just keep keep filling in the blank. Then sudden mm-hmm. destruction comes upon them. Why? How? Like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. There, there is no second chance. There's not like there's going to be a time when it's going to. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness, so that this day should ever. So that this day, not this age, not this millennial, not this day, should not overtake you as a thief. These times are going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. For that whether we wake or we sleep, we should, verse 10, we should live together with him. Just just think about those things that he's pointing to. Now, there's a lot of verses we could use to, to if we wanted to further expound on that, but just think about how these people right here in 2 Thessalonians are saying peace and safety. That's what this millennial stuff is about. It's about 
about God buying time, God buying second chances for us, God messed up, so he's going to try it again. I mean, all those things, you know, they, they lower, the, the they denigrate what the scriptures tell us about how God wants us to live and how he wants us to be ready to not live anymore. Yeah, in verse uh, 13 of chapter 4, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Newsflash, Jesus ain't going to reign in silence as far as he ain't going to come back in silence. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And he says, but concerning the times and seasons, he's like, you don't have any need that I write to you. He's like, you know, it's going to come as a thief in the night. So, I put a little mark down here in my Bible. You got that so, page in there? So be ready. <laughs> yeah. So be ready. And and as we think about, um, you know, this <clears throat> back to that uh, chapter in Revelation, Revelation 20, that this uh, Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. Well, when, when we look at the, when we look at the scriptures that talk about, um, you know, resist the devil and he'll what? Flee from you. He's going to flee from you. And that's that's First Peter 5 and verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And and so we know, he says, be sober, verse 8. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And so if if Satan was not bound by Jesus today, he he would crush you. Yeah, and I mean, if, just be very if thankful. If he wasn't held back. Yeah, just, you know, there's a few little snippets of that we get to see, like like God with, with Job. You know, like, well, God, God says, I mean, Satan says, you got a hedge around him. Well, listen, you don't want God to hold the hedge back. Satan will destroy. No, you do want. Yeah, you do want God to hold. I, that's what I meant. You don't want yeah. Satan to not not be able to get through the bushes. You know. Yeah. You, you know. And, you, and that's and that's the thing too that, that we don't understand is that uh, is if if Satan really if he had his power like he he fully would destroy us. But as you think about this, the only power that Satan truly has over you is what you allow him to have is what right. you give him. Amen. And and when you don't. When when you don't when Jesus talked what was it in Matthew thirteen I think maybe thirteen fourteen where he talked about how that when, when the house gets cleaned yeah. and you get kick an evil spirit out of it and he says if you don't if you don't keep that house clean if you don't fill it with good then he said he's going to come back and he's going to bring his buddies with him and it's going to be worse than than the first time and so that is a direct result of mine and yours decisions in these last days is that when we don't feel when we don't fill the the space that once was occupied with with an with an evil intention, with an evil heart, with a with but once we're born again, when you're when you're immersed with the forgiveness of your sins, 
you've got we've got to feed the spirit and it talks about how that the spirit within us yearns jealously and and so we've got to fill the space um with the light you, you we got to our our cup can only overflow if we will if we will pour into it if we'll allow God's word to be poured into it if we'll allow the church to pour into us you pour a whole bunch of poison in it but and and there's a lot of things too and I love your analogy that you always give and I've I've been challenged by you know different people that that you talk talk to and and um, there's there's some there's what I would call threads of of validity, threads of validation through through all of these teachings that that you'll find threads of truth. People can use a verse out of context, but people can can show can show that okay, well, there's going to be a thousand years. Well, okay, well we we all agree there's there's some kind of thousand years that's here. Well, that is a thread of truth. And there's a reign of Jesus. Okay, well, well, how is that? Well, so there's threads of truth. Well, and so, anyways, what we but when you you can dress a dog up like a duck and take him to a duck parade, but once he gets there, he's gonna act like a dog. Still a dog. And 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 so when when you read scripture, don't don't be deceived. And if Satan tempted Jesus with scripture in Matthew four. He, you know we're going to be tempted by it, and and so we're gonna we're gonna be tempted to to move away from from truth. And there there are few that find it. Well, um, it's it's rare that 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 guys in 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 camps like me and you are accused of being the false teachers. And uh, but you know I it, that's been a that's been an attack in my life over the last month of um of of being a, a false teacher and 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 being somebody who's who's not in the narrow way not finding it because of the fact that I'm teaching Christ and I'm not I'm not living according to I'm not keeping the Sabbath day and and so I'm I'm uh I'm I'm you know guilty of being a false teacher because I'm not preaching to people to keep the Sabbath day. Well, just don't, and that's a blessing. You ain't got to worry about that because Jesus right, is going right. to be the judge one day. And and you think about First Corinthians fifth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read two <clears throat> verses and maybe we can kind of start bringing it home. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want you to think about First Corinthians fifteen. You know, you read First Thessalonians four seventeen that we who remain shall meet him in the air. Mm-hmm. Right, Jesus is coming to meet him in the air. First uh, Corinthians fifteen gives us a little bit different perspective in the sense it describes a little bit different part of that event, you know, but each one his own order, Christ, the first fruit afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end. That's it. Then yeah, comes when the he end. delivers the kingdom. When he delivers the kingdom to God, it has to be made in order to deliver it. Santa Claus will not come to your house and make the toys to put under your tree. They were already made in China. He's just going to bring them to your house and deli- he will just deliver the toys made in China and uh, to to your christmas tree right they have to be they have to be made before they're delivered now he, here's an admonition in the scriptures now we we've just read the scriptures and i you know hear people say well well you're interpreting that wrong i just read it that's all i did i didn't interpret it i just read it it says the end it says these last days it says we're translated into a kingdom it says that christ will come it says that there will be one final day it says it will be in a thief in the night i'm not trans i'm not I'm not interpreting. I'm reading it. That's the complete. I'm just reading the scriptures to you. I'm not interpreting anything. Just remember this admonition by Paul. Now, all this stuff 
dispensational premillennialism has to be added. And that means that you had to think through it and add something, and you have to start mashing in these signs and symbols. You go back and you look, and I've even talked about this on a podcast before. I know that in Hitler's day, it was the tanks. In the, in the 80s, it was the, the Russian MiGs that were these symbolic things. And in the book of Revelation, in every generation, you go back and ask, well, Brother Charles is gone now. Mm-hmm. Ask him what it was when he was a boy. They all had these wedges that they kind of try to drive in and say, this is the thing that he talked about. These are these events in Revelation. Look, this Just be remembering what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 6. Now these things, brethren, I, Paul, have figuratively transferred to myself and Paulus for your sake. That Listen to what he says. That you may learn in us not to think beyond, beyond. what is written. Don't go beyond. Don't think beyond, because why? That none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. There's a real dangerous place to put yourself in when you think that you can outthink God or you can outinterpret God or you can make you can you can take something God said and make it believe something else. Paul said yeah, that's and, a dangerous and don't ever forget either. First Corinthians fourteen, he says God is not the author of confusion. Right. And so it, the Bible can be understood by nine-year-old kids. The Bible can be understood by 39-year-old kids. And and so there is a now there's also the the rich the, the depths of the riches of Christ and so these unsearchable riches that that you can study for your whole lifetime and never be able to come to um to know all the knowledge that there is to know about Jesus. Um, and so we don't know it all, but we know enough, but, but we can never study enough either. But I want to, I want to key back in on what you were saying in first Corinthians 15, because there's other nuggets that are, that are in there. And you brought this up as a, as an amazing point verse uh, first Corinthians 15, 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Those who die. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So by Adam came, well, and he's going to he's going to say that verse twenty two. For as in Adam all die, Adam started even, the death process. Adam started it with with sin. Even so, in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who were Christ at his coming. His coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And so he's reigning. He's reigning during this during this time. That's so right. so some people go, Well, this is a that 24 to 25 is chronologically. I think that 25 is describing 24. Then yeah. comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power for, he must reign till he's put all enemy under his feet. So he, he's going to come when he comes back with his, the deliver the kingdom. That's when he puts an end to all rule for, he must reign till he puts, all enemies under his feet. So that tells me he's reigning right now. Yep. He's on the throne. When 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 um Peter on Stephen, Pentecost. 
Peter on Pentecost says it. He's sitting at the right hand of God, and you're getting ready to you're getting ready to finish when I was going to start finish. Stephen saw Stephen saw heaven opened up when he's getting stoned, and who did he see? Jesus. He gets Where's off Jesus the throne. At? He's right. I mean, he stands up off the throne. Yeah, I mean, and, so and, and so Christ is Christ is there. He's on the throne. He's reigning. But here's what here's what he here's what Christ will not do. He will not create robots to follow him. He gives me and you the opportunity. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us the Bible. He gives you practicality. And he says, I've got this kingdom. It's established. And so here's here's the bottom line, listeners. You got the opportunity to get in this kingdom today. Amen. And and so you're and so here's the, the kingdom is the church. The kingdom is is reigning today. And so this when Daniel prophesied about this kingdom, he said, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Even well, all of our all of our buddies of faith all say that that we understand which which one of those uh, kingdoms were which ones, and the the in the days of the Roman empires, whenever this kingdom is going to be set up, Daniel two forty four. set up this. Yeah, Daniel two forty four. He set up this kingdom. He established a church. He told Peter. He said, "I'm going to give you the kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom." Peter unlocked it in Acts two, and so. This uh, when you put the timeline together with Mark nine, where he says, I think it's Mark nine, where he says that, um, you know, the guys who there's there's some who are standing here who will not taste death till they see the the kingdom of God coming with the kingdom of God coming, coming with, with power. power. Either there's it's, two thousand year old guys still waiting, or 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 they're stone or they dead. Saw it. Yeah, I, I haven't. You know, they put out the little thing of the. I saw the other day that some Indian chick they said was 119 or something like that, and she just looked like a gob. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like imagine what somebody 2,000 years old would look like, right? The, those guys would stick out. There's nobody here. The reason why the kingdom came when they were here too. And, and Ephesians 1:22 tells us that that his body. So there's one body. And tells us that the body is the church. Right. And and we understand that in First Corinthians 12. That he says, by one spirit, you're all baptized into one body. one body. And whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, you and so we've all been made to drink into one spirit. So you got the opportunity to get into the church today, and we don't know when the end's going to be. We don't know if it's at the end of this podcast. We don't know if it's next week or if it's going to be 3,000 more years. We don't know. God just, but we know he's long suffering, and he's long suffering. He may just be, God just may be waiting on you. You may be the last person who goes, Amen. you know what? This makes a lot of sense for me. And I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to take a chance of, of God giving a second chance, uh, in this post, whatever years of tribulation, like get in the kingdom today. Amen. You can be baptized. You can be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. How far away are you from me, Bob? Four hours now? Maybe No, about six, six hours. hours. Yeah. So, the, Bob and I will run to the middle if you're between us what, here, or we'll run any direction we got to go. We'll get somebody. We can back. cover ground. There's brothers all over the kingdom. That's what Look. I'm saying. You know, we, and, we, and, we got boots on the ground. Listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you so much, and and we're so thankful you could be with us today. I hope you guys have a great day, and you're ready for the end. This is the Unscripted.